This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Koros Global. To get a free accessory with any Koros watch purchase, visit the link in the show notes and use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout. Hey everybody, I am Holly Samuel. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and master of health education and eating disorders, and I am your podcast host today. This is going to be a solo episode, so hopefully you don't get sick of my voice. (laughs) And we are going to talk about all of your protein questions and try to get those answered if you follow me on Instagram at Fit Cookie Nutrition, um, you probably saw I did like a question box in my stories relating to a post I did on protein intake in aging athletes, particularly aging female athletes, um, a little while ago. And I got a lot of questions from you guys in that question box about protein and just some more specifics that I figured I could definitely spend a lot of time talking about. <laughs> so I would do a podcast on them instead in order to give protein um, all of the attention that it deserves. Um, So let's just kind of dive right in. So I'm going to break this down into like three different categories. Um, So the first category is how much protein do we need per day um, as endurance athletes? And I'm going to focus on like endurance athletes, like runners, triathletes, and whatnot, because, um, you know, this answer would change if you're more of a power-based athlete or a weight training based athlete. I know a lot of people listening to this might do some weight training on top of their endurance training. Um, but you know, I'm, we're still going to talk about endurance training with that in mind. So that'll be kind of the first category is how much protein do we need in a day and throughout the day? The second topic is going to be essentially how much protein is used that we eat. Is there Um, like an upper limit? Can we get too much protein? And what are some age differences in protein needs that may be associated with some of these questions? Um, And then the third category is going to be on supplements. So protein powders, branch chain, amino acids, and like that sort of thing, because there were some questions around that. So let's dive right in. So the first topic is essentially how much protein do we need in a day as endurance athletes? So you, you know me, you've been here, you know that I'm going to say it depends <laughs> um, and that that will be written on my gravestone one day, but um, it really has changed. Like our recommendations for protein needs have probably been one of the areas of nutrition, especially in the sports world that actually has changed in terms of like what I learned in college and my undergrad versus what I learned in my postgrad versus what I'm telling people now in terms of evidence-based protein recommendations. So when we say nutrition is a changing field, a lot of the basics are the same, but yeah, some of these specifics, they do change. Um, So this is what we currently know in 2022. So um, just to put this into context, the like sedentary American just to kind of do their own thing stay alive, needs about 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein per day. Now, just to put that into context, for a 150-pound person, that's like 54 grams of protein per day. That is not enough. (laughs) Um, You know, even in someone who is sedentary, I would argue that that's probably not going to do them a ton of good. Um, 
So <laughs> while that recommendation still stands for the average sedentary person, which is, of course, not our focus of this podcast, even then, I think like if your sedentary parent or sister or whomever in your life is getting less protein than you, but it's like 54 grams total per day, I would recommend they have more than that <laughs> to get the most out of life, essentially. So let's talk about endurance athletes. Um, historically, we were recommending endurance athletes get 1.2 to 1.4 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. Now we know that we actually need more than that. So to give you a final answer here, of course, final for 2022 could change in the future. We need 1.4 to 1.6 grams per kilogram per day. In particular, um, you know, there was a lot of different studies done to kind of um, explain this recommendation, but this is where we've landed is that endurance athletes need more protein than we thought we did um, even a couple of years ago. So to put that into context for you, so if you are a 150 pound person, just to use that number, we're going to turn our weight into kilograms by dividing by 2.2. That's about 68 kilograms. Um, and then that bare minimum 1.4 that we're going to multiply our 68 kilograms of body weight by gives us 95 grams. And then if we want to go upper limit, like 1.6 or so, that's about 109 grams of protein. If you're someone who is male, if you're someone who is an aging female or an aging male, or which by that, I essentially mean if you're over 40 years old, sorry. Um, or if you're someone who is trying to increase your muscle mass, or if you're someone who is an endurance athlete, but who also weight trains with relatively heavy weights at least two times per week, you may even need upwards of 1.8 to 2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So pretty big range there, definitely bigger than 0.8 for the sedentary population that we are getting. Essentially, just as an example of how one may spread this across the day, because now we know how much protein we potentially need in a day. Um, it's not about getting it all, you know, throughout the day, protein tends to be best utilized by the body, and it will stimulate protein muscle synthesis, it'll help um, blunt our blood sugar spikes, because it digests very slowly, which also means it keeps us full and satisfied for longer when eaten with other macronutrients like fat and carbohydrates. Um, it's used, you know, best in like 20 to 40 gram doses throughout the day. So we don't necessarily want to sit down and have, you know, 100 grams of protein in one sitting and then have nothing throughout the rest of the day. Um, it's probably going to be in our better interest to fuel um, our workouts with it, especially post workout, and then to have it in divided doses throughout the rest of the day. So just an ex as an example, to get to that upper limit, um, 110 ish grams of protein per day that I got from the 150 pound person times 1.6 grams of protein, um, per kilogram of body weight. So it's about 110. Um, you could have like 40 grams. Well, we'll say you work out in the morning, right? So we're gonna, not going to have much protein before our workout, but then maybe post-workout immediately we have 20 grams of protein and a protein shake. And then within an hour after that, we have breakfast, we have 20 more grams of protein, then at lunch, maybe we have like 30 grams of protein and afternoon snack, we have 20 and then dinner is 20 and that gets us to 110. So this is just one example of how you could spread it, you know, distribute it evenly throughout the day. Um, 
And then to kind of like dive into our next topic, um, like, can you get too much protein in one sitting? Like how much protein is actually used in one sitting? That was one of the questions. Um, essentially, there was a study done by, um, I'm going to butcher this name, but Schoenfield et al. Um, in 2018, that showed that if you eat protein, you know, with other macronutrients, so for example, you know, you have your protein in chicken breast form, and you're eating it with like a sweet potato and some vegetables with maybe a little bit of fat on the vegetables. So you've got a couple different other macronutrients in play. That protein, like, you know, if it's 20, 40 grams, depending on how large the chicken breast is, it's not like hitting your system all at once. Like you're taking a couple of minutes, you know, to, to eat through the chicken breast. And because you're eating it with other macronutrients, it's all getting digested very slowly. Um, so it's not like, you know, we're dumping a whole glass into a funnel and the funnel's overflowing. It's more, you know, we are kind of slowly dumping the glass into the funnel. So a little bit is getting absorbed at a time. So the common myth is, well, I heard that you can't absorb, you know, more than 20, 30, 40, whatever the number is, grams of protein in one sitting anyway. So why would I eat that much? That's not really true. Um, that science has essentially been debunked and updated. So, um, and that is one of the studies that showed this. So essentially too, with our different proteins, which is why it's really helpful to get a variety of your protein sources, um, they have different absorption rates. So for example, whey protein, um, which comes from our dairy products, is absorbed pretty quickly at 10 grams per hour. So most protein supplements, just to use like a whey protein supplement, um, as an example, is going to have about 20 grams of protein per serving. You're taking two hours to absorb all of that, right? Egg protein, for another example, absorbs at a rate of three grams per hour. So you're taking a pretty long time <laughs> to absorb that compared to um, your whey protein. So it's not quite as simple as, oh, I have protein on my plate. And like, I'm not going to absorb more than 20 grams of it. No, it's just going to take longer for you to absorb some proteins versus others, but it's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Um, so also, um, you know, looking into protein absorption, um, I had mentioned that if you are like an aging um, male or female, that your protein needs are going to be increased if you're trying to gain lean body mass, um, no matter how old you are or what gender you are, your protein needs are going to be increased. And also if you're injured or if you're sick, your protein needs are going to be increased. So let's talk a little bit about protein timing and what some of the different recommendations are depending on what category you're in. So for um, the general youthful population, if you're under 40, essentially, um, congrats, you're considered youthful. If that's the case, if you're uninjured, if you're pretty happy with your current body composition, you're not really looking to like gain a ton of lean body mass or anything, you're just looking to maintain and recover well from your workouts. Protein, which is made up of amino acids, um, help rebuild our muscle tissue, and you'll probably be in good shape, um, having about 20 to 30 grams within 30 to 60 minutes of finishing your workout, whether it's um, you know, an easy run or a strength workout. Um, but I say it's especially important to get that protein hit in sooner, the harder or more intense or more resistance training focused 
your workout was. Um, so for people who are in the injured aging, um, you know, or wanting to build lean body mass category, we're probably wanting to get closer to 40 grams of protein within 30 minutes, maybe 60, um, post-workout. And that might seem like a lot of protein for a lot of people that's like going to be doubling or tripling what they're doing. In fact, one study by Cato et al, um, essentially found that females in particular don't habitually consume enough protein. They have to be extra intentional about it. It's not going to happen naturally for them. Um, so if this is you and you're like, wow, that seems like a lot. I don't really know how to do that. Um, a good place to start is by breaking it up. So maybe within 30 minutes, you're having like 20 grams from a protein shake or 30 grams from a protein shake, something quick, Greek yogurt, um, Chobani complete has like 25 grams of protein in it for drinkable yogurts cottage cheese, something like that. And then in like 30 minutes later, so maybe you get that down, take your shower, get out of the shower, and then you have a meal. So then maybe you have a couple of eggs, some, you know, oatmeal with Greek yogurt on the side, um, something like that. And that will help you get probably another 20 grams. And then you'll be within 40, at least for the hour, if getting 40 in immediately is really challenging. Um, So that would be another strategy for this aging population. It's also going to be helpful that you get four grams of the amino acid leucine, which is found in these complete sources of protein that particularly come from animal-based sources. Um, Your plant-based sources are going to be a little bit tougher to get enough leucine per serving. So looking into a plant protein supplement that combines a whole grain and a legume-based source of protein, so like pea protein combined with brown rice protein, um, or something like that. Sometimes like soy-based proteins will have enough as well. Sometimes doing something like that will be helpful (laughs) just so you don't have to think about, you know, how many beans or grams of quinoa you're going to have to eat to get to four grams of leucine. But again, if you're consuming animal products and you're trying to get 40 grams of animal products post-workout, um, you're probably getting enough leucine. Leucine is the branch chain amino acid, one of them at least, um, that helps stimulate protein muscle synthesis. So this is why it's important to get enough if you are in this population, especially. Um, A lot of plant-based source protein powders, like if they're just pea protein based or if they're just brown rice protein powder based or, um, you know, not combined, they're probably not going to have enough leucine on their own. So do make sure you find a blend. A lot of the times they will have like a breakdown of the amino acid profile on the back of the supplement. And that will help you identify how many grams of leucine are in the supplement. So those are some things to consider with aging differences in protein needs. Now, one of the questions I got is essentially like, I've heard about the three or four to to one gram ratio of protein to carbs, or I'm sorry, of carbs to protein. So for every three to four grams of carbohydrate, I should be getting one gram of protein post-workout. This is a very traditional like sports nutrition 101 post-workout recommendation because carbohydrates help replenish our glycogen stores and help give our body the energy it needs to use the protein that we're eating to turn it into muscle mass and help our muscles recover. So this question I think surrounds that like, okay, if I'm, you know, an older female and I need 40 grams of protein, does that mean I need 120 to 160 grams of carbohydrates? Because if I'm using that ratio, 
you know, and my protein needs go up by default, would my carbohydrate needs also go up? And of course, of course, you know this, you know, it's coming. My answer is going to be, it depends. Um, if you are an endurance athlete competing, you know, or training for like your goal marathon race, Ironman ultra marathon, if you are expending a ton of energy in your training, um, and this is going to be relative to the person, this is why individualized advice, I can't really give it in a broad setting like this, because it really does depend. Um, then yes, you may need like anywhere between that three to one gram ratio, you may need like over 100 grams of carbohydrates with your protein post workout to recover properly. Now, if you're not doing that, if you're, you know, kind of training for like half marathon, um, you know, 5k 10k general health, um, you know, you're not competing at a high level, then likely, again, it kind of does still depend on the person, but likely your carb needs post-workout are going to not be that high. Um, so you could probably use like a one-to-one or a two-to-one um, ratio when it comes to carbohydrates and protein. So 40 to, you know, 40 grams of carbs, 40 grams of protein within the first hour, um, preferably 30 minutes though, or, um, you know, 80 and 40. So again, it kind of depends on the person. Um, but that's just like a general range and summary that I can give you. Um, essentially, when we are females, and we do start to have hormonal changes related to perimenopause, and then eventually postmenopause, um, our ability to utilize carbohydrates may be impacted by the decrease in our estrogen produ- production. So sometimes, not necessarily like slashing your carbs or getting rid of them completely, but consuming them in a smart way, (laughs) um, you know, is going to be helpful to kind of change your nutrition strategy um, per your changing body. So hopefully that helps. I know it's like a very brief summary. Um, And again, if you're injured, you know, if you're an aging male, it really does depend in terms of your carb needs. Um, But it may or may not be that three to one gram ratio anymore that may not apply to you at this time. Um, But your protein needs are going to go up because essentially we find that as our lean body mass decreases by about 1%, um, you know, each year moving forward after we turn 40, in order to hold on to that lean body mass, we need more protein um, in order to do that because what you consumed in your 20s isn't going to do as much for you as it will in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. So hopefully that summary makes sense. Hey, everybody. Have you heard from our newest sponsor, Koros Wearables? Koros makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. Koros uses top-of-the-line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear that they need. When you use a Koros product, you know you're getting a tool that has been designed, tested, and perfected for the athlete by the athlete. And speaking of athletes sponsored by Koros Global, have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge, Des Linden, Emma Bates, Molly Seidel? I mean, come on, you've probably heard of them, and they use Koros products. Koros watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts and training plans for running, cycling, swimming, and even strength or core workout at the gym. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, Koros has you covered with their customizable nutrition alerts. So you can basically have me on your wrist, pinging you every 30 to 45 minutes on your runs to remind you to fuel. Pretty cool stuff. Koros users have set world records, 
Elliot Kipchoge, and been to the highest point on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. At Koros, creation and innovation is never ending. And for Koros, the user is the focus. So if you are looking to try out a new Koros product and you want to be part of the Koros community, you can use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout to receive a free accessory with your watch purchase. You can use the link that's in the show notes to do this, and you just can pick out whatever accessory that you want on their page and add it to your cart, and you'll get it for free with the code FITCOOKIENUTRITION. I personally switched over to the Koros Apex over a year ago now from my Garmin Forerunner 220, which I also loved, but the Apex is gorgeous. It's probably one of their more simple models, which kind of defines what I look for in a watch. I just want it to be simple, although this one does still have quite a few bells and whistles that I use. Um, And it's honestly super comfortable to wear. It's not too big on your wrist. And the interface is really, really pretty, and the app is easy to use. So again, if you're looking to try out a Coros product, visit the link in the show notes. Use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout to get a free accessory with your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. Okay, so now let's dive into like supplements um, and maybe some strategies to help make this happen for you. So I got a lot of concerned questions. For example, what is the maximum amount of protein per meal snack you would recommend? People seem to pack a lot of protein into their meals, but how much is actually used? Can you get too much protein? Um, And then more about supplements, like so many powdered proteins to choose from, whey, soy, etc. Which one's best? Um, What exactly is protein powder? Which is my favorite question. (laughs) I will answer that in a fun way in a minute. Um, And then what's your favorite protein powder? So let's dive into this. So first off, just to, you know, I like to explain things in a big picture form to you guys. So protein is made of amino acids. Um, Of those amino acids, nine of them are essential, meaning we have to get them from food sources. Our bodies cannot make them themselves. Of those nine essential amino acids, three of them are considered branch chain amino acids. And these help stimulate protein muscle synthesis, aka hashtag gains. (laughs) Um, Those branched chain amino acids are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Um, And I know I talked a little bit about leucine already and its importance post-workout and also that it's found mostly in animal products. Um, I know there's branched chain amino acid supplements as well. So when it comes to... um, supplements. So first off, you know, if you've listened to my other podcast episodes or followed me on social media, you know, I've probably said in the past supplements are not regulated by the FDA, meaning that quality control is basically a circus um, in the supplement world. And there's no standardization per supplement quality control. Essentially, um, they kind of ask forgiveness instead of permission when it comes to supplement quality. Um, You know, we kind of can put it on the shelves until it starts to harm people in a significant way, and then they'll pull it. Um, So it's very much, you know, more defensive than offensive when it comes to supplement quality control in the US. So looking for labels like NSF or informed choice or informed sport certified are helpful because then you know that the product has been third party tested by these third parties that essentially make sure that what 
the product says is in the product is actually true, that the doses on the label match what is in the product, and that there's nothing in the product that's not supposed to be there or that's not labeled, and there's nothing in the product that's banned for competitive sports. So that's a helpful label to look for when you're looking at a protein supplement. Um, some of you asked um, like what my favorite protein powders are. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute, but first I want to talk about like the difference between protein powders, um, the different types of protein powders, and then the difference between protein powders and branched chain amino acid supplements. So your BCAAs are going to contain those branched chain amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Um, this is not a complete protein. It does not have all nine of the essential amino acids in it. Um, so branched chain amino acids, they tend to be tolerated pretty well by people if it's a high quality supplement. Um, sometimes they will have other stuff in them, just like protein powders do, like artificial sweeteners, fillers, dyes, um, you know, inflammatory fats, and that kind of thing that, you know, again, it's like, do we really need to have that every day? <laughs> um, I would maybe prefer to get those things from, you know, more fun food sources versus my supplement. I would want my supplement to really support me and supplement me, <laughs> if you will. So that's just something to consider. Um, so of course, we can get branched chain amino acids in complete form from real foods. Um, and that is usually going to be tolerated better by the body and absorbed better by the body. So food first, but absolutely guys, supplements, like I am definitely pro supplement if it's helpful for you because um, they can be highly convenient. And if you have a suppressed appetite post-workout, if you're super busy, you just need to get something down real quick without having to think about it, they can be really handy. <laughs> so I understand that. Um, when it comes to branched chain amino acid supplements, again, if they're high quality, if the additives in them aren't a problem and you tolerate it well, they do tend to be tolerated well. So you could take these um, like during your workout or pre-workout in the hopes to prevent muscle breakdown during your workout, which is something that I would recommend for um, some like competitive aging women who are looking to prevent muscle mass breakdown, but it's totally unnecessary. Um, if you're going to spend money on a supplement, you know, your branching amino acid is definitely not going to be complete for post-workout. Um, so again, you could optionally, if you want to take it pre or during your workout, you're probably going to tolerate it fine. It is another thing to think about taking um, on top of like your gels and your electrolytes and your fluids and that kind of thing if you're doing a longer effort um, and extra money to spend on it because it's not necessary. But for post-workout, if you're going to spend money on a supplement, I would recommend doing like a protein powder instead of a branched chain amino acid um, supplement because there's no research to support that branched chain amino acid supplements actually do what we want them to do, which is stimulate recovery and protein muscle synthesis post-workout. Actually, we have studies to show that they're ineffective at doing that. So if you're going to spend money on it, I would do it on a protein powder because it's going to be more effective. So the different protein powders, um, whey protein, casein protein are the two that come from dairy. Um, your whey protein is going to be absorbed much quicker. Like I said, at 10 grams per hour, um, your casein is going to be absorbed, absorbed much more slowly and not everyone tolerates casein. Um, your plant-based sources, wow, there's like a lot of them. So we can do soy protein, um, pea protein, 
rice protein, pumpkin seed protein, hemp protein. Um, and these, again, they're all going to likely be incomplete on their own when it comes to having enough leucine to do what you want it to do for you. Um, so you want to look for blends that have a legume and a whole grain combined or looking for blends that have the leucine added. So if it has the amino acid breakdown um, for people under 40 who are generally healthy and active, you want to look for one and a half to two grams of leucine per serving um, for aging population over 40. I, I really hate calling you guys aging um, because like 40 is very young. We have people setting like American records in their 40s. Um, but, you know, looking at that population, you want to look for four grams of leucine um, per serving or make sure that it's a reasonably like realistic for you to get to four grams if you have to have multiple servings. So if it's like a 20 gram of protein supplement with two grams of leucine per serving, and you know, you need 40 grams and you want to do two servings, you're going to get there easily. So something to keep in mind. Um, and then we also have other animal-based proteins like egg protein. Um, there's also things like cricket protein um, and collagen out there. So again, I would say a lot of the times these tend to be incomplete. Um, if you tolerate dairy, okay, which a lot of people, even if you're lactose intolerant, you may be able to still tolerate whey or casein supplements as a lot of them are lactose free. I would go for the whey protein. It's most popular. It's most common. It's absorbed really quickly. <laughs> it's easy to find, um, has enough leucine. So that would be my first pick. Um, in terms of brands, obviously this podcast is sponsored by Koros, which is a watch company um, and not a protein powder brand. Um, there are several out there that I like. Um, there are several out there that I don't like. <laughs> um, but again, your parameters are you want to look for the appropriate dosages of things for you. And you want to look for quality control in the form, hopefully of NSF, NSF or informed choice certified. So some examples would be like momentous protein. That's one that I personally use and like a lot. They have both whey and plant-based sources that are adequate. Ascent is another one. They have both whey and plant-based sources that are adequate. You could do Vegas Sport, which is a plant-based. You could do Garden of Life um, Sport, which is a whey-based. I believe they also have a plant-based. Um, and there's also like so many others <laughs> out there. So th those are just a few that I would recommend. Um, but again, there's a ton on the market that I probably don't even know about. So when you're going out there in the world and trying to decide for yourself, just use those parameters that I gave you. And I almost forgot to answer my favorite question, which is what exactly is protein powder? <laughs> so when it comes to how is protein powder made, um, basically they, depending on like the source of the protein, but they take the food. So for like whey protein, for instance, they would take, you know, your, your milk, like your dairy. Um, and then they extract the protein component from the dairy. In dairy's case, they are actually typically making a lot of other things with the dairy as well. And whey is what's left in the water that they extract the rest of the product from. Then after extracting the protein component, which has to be done through like a variety of processing techniques for, you know, depending on the protein powder, then they essentially dry it out, turns into a powder. They remove it of impurities if it's a good quality company. Um, and it goes through further processing to get into the supplement that you then consume. So, and the protein powder supplements are then meant to be like, you know, consumed with, with liquid. <laughs> so, 
um, those like dry protein powder challenges out there, don't do that. Like just when we were talking before about, can you have too much protein? Yes, you can. Um, any, anything, you know, that's too much can be too much of a good, of a good thing, even if it is a good thing. So, um, you're really going to be getting too much protein if you're doing, you know, a ton of protein supplementation. Um, or, you know, if you have like specific medical conditions like kidney disease, um, you know, your protein needs are going to be much lower because your kidney kidneys are not going to be able to process as much protein from your diet. Um, and for most people though, you're, I mean, you're going to have to try pretty hard to get too much protein, but yes, you can get too much protein. Um, you know, if you're looking at that, you might be more susceptible to kidney and liver issues. Um, but again, we're talking about like two to three times your body weight in pounds of protein every single day for it to become like a significant problem, assuming you're also not a power lifter, um, who's using that protein to build more body mass. So, um, it's going to be really hard to do that. And another thing to consider is if you are getting, you know, a lot of your protein from, you know, animal sources that are really high in saturated fat um, that can, you know, have cardiovascular implications. And some people, depending on their genetic history and family history, may just be more susceptible to cardiovascular issues like higher cholesterol with saturated fat intake. Um, so getting your protein from a high quality source a variety of sources, um, and preferably sources that are lower in saturated fat for the most part is going to help you prevent any complications that can come from like too much of a good thing. So, um, I'm going to leave in the show notes, a YouTube video that I found that goes through the processing process of getting whey from the cow into a protein supplement. Um, the particular brand in the YouTube video I am not familiar with at all. Um, so they do, you know, plug a couple things like, ah, oh, we quality control, like control check our protein using this. And they have a seal on their product tested by a third party that I'm not familiar with as a sports dietitian. Um, so take that what you may, but the processing like explanations and visuals are kind of cool. So, and pretty accurate. So um, I'll leave that in the show notes. If you're like, yeah, how does it turn into protein powder? I want to know. Um, cause I know there's probably a lot of you out there who are like, yeah, I've never thought about that before. Um, so I'll leave that in the show notes for your entertainment. <laughs> um, hopefully this podcast episode was helpful, um, in helping you decipher how much protein you need, how you should be getting it throughout the day, some strategies, what changes with age and certain, you know, circumstances and also protein supplement and branch chain amino acid questions. If you guys have any other questions, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram. Again, my Instagram is at fitcookienutrition. You can also email me at hsamuel at fitcookienutrition.com if you are not on Instagram and have somehow found my podcast. Um, and I'm always happy to answer your questions, get new podcast episode ideas so that I can keep sharing this free information with you guys. If you wanted to leave me a five-star rating and review on your podcast player, I would also Super duper appreciate that. Helps other people get access to this free information. Helps me get, you know, more credibility and great sponsors like Koros so that I can keep doing the show for you guys. And I really enjoy it. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, guys, happy running and make sure you get your post-workout protein on.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.